What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Goal to Goat podcast. Uh, my name is Reese. I am joined by my former basement wrestling tag team partner, Jordan Emrick, joined by our up, arch nemesis, joined by our arch nemesis, Jalen and Rhett. What's going on, guys? Jordan, how you doing? I'm doing good, brother. I'm doing good. Hornswoggle. What's going on, brother? <laughs> you doing all right? Doing good. Jalen, what's going Hornswoggle. on? Hornswoggle. Oh, not a whole lot. Just thinking back to the good old days of wrestling in the basement. <laughs> Rhett, Rhett, how you doing? What is up? Those are some of the best, the best wrestling matches I've ever been a part of by far. Maybe, Bye. maybe one of these days we can we can get to the story of how I I choked Jalen out that one time. <laughs> choked him out, bro. Choked him. Thirty five pound well, restilling him. Choked another grown man. Like, bro, that was wild. Forget that mind. We'll get there. We'll get we'll get Jalen's reaction to that. We'll maybe one one of these days we'll get to all of that. Um, well, guys, let's go ahead and get right into it. Uh, we had the Super Bowl last week. Uh, really good game overall. I know that the very end kind of got kind of got uh, turned upside down on us. But I want to hear your guys' reactions. I know me and Jordan did a podcast last week, uh, just kind of giving our predictions. I called the Chiefs. He called the Eagles. Jordan, how do you feel uh, about the Super Bowl? How, how did it turn out and, and, and all that? All right, we'll go to Jalen uh, because sounds like Jordan is not with us. Jalen, how did you feel about the the Super Bowl? Uh, yeah, I, th- I you know I thought it was one of the best Super Bowls that I've watched in recent years. Um, I thought the back and forth was incredible. I had the Chiefs winning, which I was I was excited to see the Chiefs win. Uh, I thought the the end of the game, you know, I, I, there was a lot of speculation. How can the refs do this? Listen, it, it was a penalty. So I think if it's a penalty, I get it. Let's call the penalty. Uh, and, and big props to McKinnon. My dude could have run into the end zone and told a story to his kids for years about scoring a touchdown in the Super Bowl. But my guy took a knee for the sake of the team, which was props to him for doing that yeah for sure jordan are you back with us i think so y'all hear me all right yes sir all right so what was your reaction to how the super bowl turned out were you happy with it did you like the game i mean the game was good obviously it was a classic um going back and forth the national title game in college ball how uninteresting that was so I think you, any day of the week you would take a game like this uh, over a complete. I understand uh, Jay's take there about, you know, if it's a penalty, you can call a penalty on any play, on every single play. Um, I think don't wave your hand at me, bro. You know the truth. Um, and I just, to me, I think in Anybody can look at that play and say that whole the play. That throw was so overthrown, and I, in that moment, you can see that didn't affect the play. Um, 
Don't look at me like that, bro. You, <laughs> you had your chance to talk. I'm talking now. If any means, you know, um, I think, and obviously at the end, but as the Eagles were going to get the ball, you know what I'm saying? They would still have had to get the ball back. They would still have had. So there's nothing that says that ultimately thing that, that caused But in that moment, you you wish that it didn't get decided on a play like the Chiefs kicked the field goal and then ask him. The, I think Richard Sherman said it best when he said the NFL robbed us. They robbed the viewers of being able to watch the Eagles to, to all right, man. I'm gonna go. Range and, I'm gonna go ahead um, and have cut. that, Jordan. I'm gonna cut you off real quick. We got about a third of what you just said. I think you liked the game. I don't think you liked how it turned out with the uh, the hold there at the end. Um, Rhett, how did how did you like the game? I was watching it with you, so I know you're you're pretty pumped about the way it turned out. I, yes, it was a great game. Um, tremendous game, actually. I thought I I called the Chiefs. I wish I could have been on the podcast. Uh, last week to make my prediction so it would have been heard but it wasn't so it's all good but I, I think Jay and Jordan bring up two interesting points is you know like I don't think anybody ever wants to see the Super Bowl end on that type of play or penalty or just a field goal because like millions and millions of people are watching and you know it's decided by a field goal it's like okay that's it's okay and it works and you know it is what it is but um I felt like overall, um, when we're when we're specifically talking about these penalties, I think Jordan's right when it comes to almost a lot. A lot of these plays, you could nitpick almost every single guy on the field, and you could you could find something. Tell him, Rhett. Tell him. But at the same time, you know, I'm also of of the opinion is like if if it happens and a guy holds a guy. You, I mean, in in a big moment like that, you have to call it. So it, it's it's like a slippery slope on on both sides. But um, I'm just glad the way it way it turned out. And I thought Mahomes did great, especially you know through all his injuries and and all that stuff. Yeah, for sure. I think you know I think the frustration is not that the penalty was called, but that it wasn't called the rest of the game. If you're gonna call that, you have to call that the rest of the game. And there were multiple instances the rest of the ga- that game where the, that that exact thing happened, and there was no penalty called. You know, I I was listening to Dan Patrick show, and they had a guy on who brought up a really good point. He's a referee for I think he said high school um, football, but he said a lot of times they'll go in and they'll kind of review how they called the first half, and they'll say, "Hey, look, you know, you're on this side of the field, or you know, you're responsible for this." here's what I noticed, you know, maybe we need to look out for this more, something like that. So maybe that's what happened. And they, uh, you know, they, they decided at halftime, they were going to call that, uh, that hold uh, more aggressively in the second half. To me, it was just for it to be such a classic game, you know, if you throw that flag, it's, it's ball game, you know? And so, so, you know, I, it, it was a hold. I don't think anybody's arguing that it, it wasn't a penalty. I just hate that it was called the way that it was. I think honestly, the biggest loser out of all of this has to be Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, his reactions after the game were just horrible. I mean, calling out um, uh, that that defensive back on on Monday or Tuesday, whenever it was, dude, Juju, you didn't do anything the whole year, and then you're gonna you're gonna call it out like that, you know? But I mean, hey, 
major props to the Chiefs for pulling it out. Um, you know, Jalen Hurts played a really good game. If he doesn't fumble that one, that one bad snap, then you know maybe the Eagles are hoisting, hoisting the trophy this week. So, yeah, man, I think overall we had a really good game. Uh, I enjoyed most most of the game. I think it was for the most part officiated well until that last play. So, I think well, overall, it, it's, go ahead. it needs to be. I feel like overall it just needs to be a little bit more consistent overall because when you get in those moments and those those really really important calls end up being those you know game deciders and it's like well why didn't like you like you said just a second ago why why wasn't it called in the first half you know why why so inconsistent yeah absolutely i think i think the problem is with all the sports is they put an emphasis on getting it right in the big moments without acknowledging that getting it wrong all the other moments affects the game as well. And it's like yep. you you put such an emphasis on those last, oh, we got to make sure we get these calls. Like, for instance, the NBA giving out these last two-minute reports. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Like, you've, you've already missed the calls, you know? Like, how many times those come out and they're like, oh, this guy missed the foul call, this guy missed that call, this guy missed a travel, whatever. It's like, well, you didn't care about getting it right the rest of the game. So why are we caring about it right now? You know, to me, it's just like they they try so hard to not not run the game until the very end of the game. And then it's like, where are you, what are you doing? Like you completely changed the way that they were playing physical all night on the outside. And you guys all know you all played sports. You all played basketball in a game where officials were letting you be physical. You were what? You were more physical, right? And you'd be ticked if you were physical all game until the fourth Jalen. I you were the worst, bro. Until you get into the fourth quarter and they go up and they take a shot or whatever, and you do the exact same thing that you've done all game long, and they call a foul on you in the closing moments. Like that was that what's that's what it felt like on Super Bowl Sunday. They had been physical all night on the outside, and then they call that that penalty. Was it a penalty? Was he holding? Yeah, but you let him do it. You let him get away with the whole game, and then you called it. It just to me is bogus. Yeah, for sure. I think the other thing, the you know, it sucks that the the two biggest noteworthy stories from the game were you know that call and how bad the turf was. Oh, I mean, yeah. you you spend eight hundred thousand dollars on that turf, getting it ready for four years or whatever it was. You know, you're talking about how good it's going to be, and then you have guys changing cleats three or four times a game. I mean, that's. That's unbelievable. Looked like an ice cream. Right, they had a pile of cleats sitting there, bro. A pile. <laughs> like, come on, yeah. man. Come on. That was well, bad. It just, it just goes to Aaron Rodgers' point, probably the most intellectual thing and only intellectual thing he's ever said, is that uh, everywhere needs to be normal grass. we got to get rid of the turf. It's like that everywhere you play. This was a lot worse than normal, but turf is not the move. Yeah. Bro, yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm not like, uh, I'm not a grass connoisseur by any means, but that kind of field, like, when you're putting in new sod all the time, bro, like, that's not going to stay. That's That stuff needs time to settle. And they're changing out these fields all the time. So it's no wonder that they're slipping around, even on, like, it wasn't even take a guy cutting hard it just to change the direction at all and it was feet going out from underneath them yeah 
I think bottom please, line please is, you know, they, please don't fix, please don't fix stupid. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's just, you, you use a whole bunch of cleats all you want, but at the end of the game plan with stupid, it's Jalen, you are not a grass connoisseur. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, at the end of the day, you can change cleats all you want, but these guys are out here with, with specs, you know, it's, it's not going to do nothing. Jalen, I'm just proud of you for spelling connoisseur correctly. You probably had to Google it, but we won't talk about that. Hey, bro, I would have spelled it wrong. So, bro, I literally was just typing in the chat. I for sure Googled how to spell connoisseur. (laughs) (laughs) I 100% Googled it. That's awesome. Well, yeah, for sure. I think, you know, it's just disappointing that, you know, that had to be the uh, kind of the main storyline there. So, Overall, I think we had a really good Super Bowl. You know, everyone played played very well for the most part. I think, you know, everyone's happy as long as we have a close game and it, it comes down to the wire. So, and sh- you know, Jalen Hurts played a lot better than I thought. I was going to say, shout out to Jalen Hurts. A lot better. He tremendous. Yeah, for sure. Well, guys, let's go ahead. Better trouble. Right? <laughs> for real. Well, Let's let's put an end to that. Let's get into some college baseball. College baseball. Cubs baseball, rather. Uh, big topic. We got a lot going on. Uh, we got the Pakota projections that came out. Uh, we got a lot happening with spring, spring training starting this week. Um, Jordan, what is what is kind of your reaction? How do you think? We've talked about it a little bit on the on the pod before, but you know, I know we've had a little bit of discussion in the the text group. Just, just let the listeners know how how high you're feeling on the Cubs right now, bro. I am so high on the Cubs right now. Listen, Pakota projections are about as dumb as that turf on the Super Bowl. They're tripping, <laughs> bro. They're tripping. Uh, I think I think this Cubs team is way better than people give them credit for. Um, I think that David Ross is is a tremendous manager. I know we had a, a, ch- a conversation in the chat about David Ross. I think David Ross is a, is a good manager, um, and I think you saw that at the end of last season. I asked you all what you thought their record was towards the end of the season. Last year, after the All-Star break, this team finished 39-31. and That would be on pace for an 89-win season. Now, I don't necessarily expect, you know, that. Um, I'm not expecting them to push 90 wins, but I, I do expect them to be competitive this year, and I expect that they should be competing for the playoffs. And I even said in our group chat that the Cubs will make the playoffs. Now, going into that, uh, and looking at the standings last year, like there's got to be a team that regresses some. I mean, obviously, you know, you have those teams that got better. You know, the Phillies got better in adding Trey Turner and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. The Mets, you know, you never know what's going to go on with the Mets, man. They could win 115 games or they could lose 115. <laughs> you, you never know what's going to happen with the Mets. Uh, but the thing is, is this, this team is good, man. I think that this team is going to play elite defense. I think their pitching is completely underrated, and I think their offense is going to be good enough. I have this team winning 87 games, and I think that that'll be enough to make the playoffs. Jalen, reaction to that? 87 wins? Are you 87 insane? wins, bro. 87 wins. When you play great defense, dude, like, listen, let me tell you, let me say this too. I don't expect them to do anything when they get to the playoffs. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying this team is going to win 87, get in the playoffs and do some damage. I think that they'll win 87 games 
They'll barely make the playoffs. And then ultimately, their lack of offense is going to cost them. But when you play elite defense and you throw the ball well, you are, you're going to put yourself in a position to win a lot of games. That's how you beat bad teams. And so many times last year when this team was not playing good defense, they were not pitching the ball well, they would go on these 8, 9, 10, 11 game losing streaks. I don't see that happening this year and because of their defense. And you didn't see that at the end of last season either. This team finished 16-6 and six their last 22 games last year. Their schedule in the month of September is so easy. I mean, they play the Rockies three or four times. They play the Pirates like six times. I mean, they – their, their, their schedule to end this season is incredibly easy. If they're playing good baseball, they'll put themselves in a position come September to where they can really do some damage and put some pressure on some teams. I'm not going to be disappointed if they don't make the playoffs, if they play good baseball. You know, I think anything less than like 82 wins to me is is disappointing. Um, but I want to see them compete, man. I really do. And I, I think their, their ceiling – is is making the playoffs as a wild card, in my opinion. Yeah, and for I got, sure. And I, I got think, reasons for that. Go ahead. I, I think the thing I want to see this season is, you know, I'm not expecting a lot. I, I'd be surprised if they get to 87 wins. I would be really surprised. Um, but, you know, I want to see the, – the main thing I'm looking for this year is I want to see these young bats making contact. The thing the Cubs haven't been, even when they won the, the World Series, this last core that we, you know, unloaded in 2021, we never had a a lineup that was just full of contact hitters. You know, we had a lot of guys that were, you know, 250 or less, but they would hit 30 home runs a game. And I think, you know, we saw it with the Rays when they made the World Series uh, a few years ago. Their defense was really good, but everyone on their on their roster, you know, they were hitting over 270. I mean, they just they made contact, they hit, and it wasn't just home run or bust. You know, they they had a lot of a lot of base hits, and so I think, you know, I'm skeptical of our pitching this year. You know, it may be really good, um, but it's it's unproven. So you know, there's no way to really project how that's going to be. Our our pitching is better this year than it was last year. And, that, that is true. Jameson Tyone adds a lot to this to this rotation getting Adbert Alzali back, getting it to where Keegan Thompson can be in your bullpen, uh, you know, having a guy like Michael Fulmer. Like, this this team's pitching is a lot better than last year. I asked you guys in the group chat, Rhett, I don't know if you saw it or not, buddy, but what you guys – I asked you, what, where do you think the Cubs' team ERA ranked after the All-Star break last year? And I think, Reese, I think you said like 15 or something like that or 20 or something. I can't remember exactly what – but this team – I got it right here. This team was third in all of baseball and team ERA last year after the All-Star break. The Astros were at 2.7, the Dodgers at 2.73, and then the Cubs at 2.89. The Cubs were right there next to the Dodgers and the Astros in all, all of baseball over the last 70 games of the season. Like, they're getting better. Justin Steele is developing into a really, really good pitcher and I think he's going to end up being the best pitcher on this team at the end of the season we're all going to look and see that Justin Steele was our best pitcher and if the Cubs do make the playoffs I think Justin Steele will be the guy that's starting game one of that series yeah I think and and we'll move on to to Jay and Rhett here in a, in a second I don't want to take all of the the clock here I I would just like to say you know 
you have been pointing out quite a bit the the last half, you know, after the All-Star break last year. You have to take the full season into account. And I know it's a long season and, you know, that still is a good sample size. And uh, I just think, you know, it's uh, it's unproven. You know, we were taking that small sample size. And while it was good and it was encouraging, like I said before, it's unproven. It could be really good again this year. You know, we have a lot me- of the guys returning this year. I, I, I want to get to Jalen. Uh, me, me and Jordan have been going back and forth a little bit. So I want to get to Jalen here. Here, kind of what he bro. has to say about that. You're lucky, bro. Listen, I just want to start this off by saying I hope the Cubs make this make the uh, playoffs. I hope they do. Okay. Now, you are wild if you think the 2023 Chicago Cubs are going to make the playoffs. I didn't even have to Google. I just wrote down off the top of my noggin, Eight teams in the NL that are better than the Cubs. The Braves, the Cardinals, the Dodgers, the Mets, the Brewers, the Padres, the Phillies, the Giants. Eight teams. And I, I don't even, even have to put thought into I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you all of those. I'll give you all of those except for the Giants and the Brewers. You're crazy. The Brewers are, the Brewers are projected to win the NL Central. Who do, they we're, have, we're put, Who do they have? Who do they have? If we're putting if we're putting weights behind the Pakoda projections, let's let's pull we're that not. up real quick. I had it. I already I said pulled, that they're I pulled dumb. it up and moved it to ESPN. The Brewers are projected to win the NL Central. We cannot discount the Brewers. Every season, Chicago Cubs fans discount the Milwaukee Brewers, and every season the Milwaukee Brewers are there. I'm not saying the Milwaukee Brewers are going to win the World Series because they're not. But we do this every single year as Chicago Cubs fans. We think the NL Central is between the Cubs and the Cardinals for whatever reason. And the Brewers have consistently been the team to beat in the NL Central. Even in 2015, 2016, 2017, when the Cubs were making the playoffs regularly, the Brewers were still the team that the Cubs had trouble with in the NL Central. It was not the St. Louis Cardinals. It was the Milwaukee Brewers. So to discount the Brewers is the most Chicago Cubs thing to do ever. The Milwaukee Brewers will be there at the end of the season. The Milwaukee Brewers are there at the end of the season every single year. We cannot discount them. With that being said, with that being said, again, I hope the Chicago Cubs make the playoffs. I really hope they do. I would be shocked if the Cubs are in the top 10 in the NL. Oof. I would be shocked. I would be shocked if we are a top 10 team in the NL this year. Rhett, what is your reaction to to hearing both of those takes? Jordan says Cubs are – Cubs are at least going to make the wild card. If they're under 80 wins, it's a disappointing season. And then Jalen is having the typical Cubs fan reaction of, yes, maybe next year. And it's not even let's, spring training let's, yet. <laughs> let's start this out by saying we, we are Cubs fans. Do remember this, all right? We we have the motto of next year. Okay? This is this is how we roll. I, I, I really think um, I, I am – 
uh, excited to see what the Cubs look like this year. I, I really think uh, I think they're going to be down the middle of the road. I don't think they're going to have 87 wins, and I don't know if they're going to be 10th in the NL. But I will say this. I, I think Jordan made a good point. I think it comes down to two things. I think, I think it comes down to their defense. I think it comes down to their pitching. I'm interested to see their pitching this year. Um, we'll have to see because it's been inconsistent. And just as a Cub fan, it's been eight years, seven years, right? Yeah. <laughs> Is it seven years? Eight years. I, you know, it's like, come on, man. We got to We got to do something to make a run. We got to We got to do this. I got to I got to I got to see the Cubs, um, you know, making some type of run and some type of move to get get to back to the playoffs and get into a consistent run because uh, I felt like even though we made the playoffs after the World Series, we really just kind of tanked is really what we did since the World Series. Um, but but overall, I, I, I still have mixed feelings about um, uh, Rampal Ross. I really do. I don't know how I feel about him as a coach. I, I think he, I think he's a good guy. I think he was a good player. Um, I just don't know how I feel about him as a coach. Yeah. Listen, Gandhi was a good guy. That doesn't mean he needs to be a manager in the MLB. That's completely different. <laughs> Settle down. Let's not get disrespectful. Like David listen, Ross. Listen, David, David Ross, Ross. David Ross is the thorn in the Cubs' side. If the Cubs want to make the playoffs, they will get rid of David Ross. Bro, David Ross has had – this is his second spring training. Second, bro. He has not had a chance to manage this team. You brought David Ross in, and you had all these bums who didn't know how to make contact, striking out, leaving guys on third base all the time because they were too proud to learn how to shorten up and make contact. You had Javi Baez literally swinging out of his shoes trying to hit a home run whenever, <laughs> whenever he is still like – the ball is four feet out of the strike zone, and he's trying to hit a home run, trying to hit an eight-run home run. Like, dude, shorten up and make contact. This listen, David listen, Ross listen. came into a team that had already – no, I'm talking – David Ross had already come into a team that had already had bad habits, all right, had terrible habits. They trade all of those guys. They get way worse. And then over the last season – I keep referencing the second half of last season because they made progress. Like, let's, making progress let's, is let's, let's unpack bro. that. Let's unpack that, though. Let's unpack that. I will agree with you. The Cubs' core of 2016, 2015, 2016, like, the Cubs did the right thing in blowing it up. Like, let's just be clear. 100%. The Cubs did the right thing. As much as it hurt to get rid of that team, they did the right thing in blowing it up. Now, with that being said, all of those players, now, with with the exception of Javi Baez, and I think Chris Bryant has been injured, so I Chris Bryant has been, been injured since 2016. He, he has been injured, so like we can maybe put him in the category of exemption for the next thing that I'm about to say. Remember All, when? Remember when Chris Bryant was supposed to be the next Bryce Harper? Remember when he yes. was the next Bryce Harper? All of those players, all every single player that has left the team, has exceeded in the in the MLB. Okay, with the exception, see. so you have you have to you you cannot say that it was a World Series hang like whatever it was. It, it has to do with player development and the manager of that team. 
Absolutely. Anthony Rizzo revived his career in New York and signed a big contract. He revived his career in the short porch of New York. Congratulations. Like that is the perfect field for Anthony Rizzo. Wrigley Field is a hitter's park. Let's let's not talk about Wrigley Field being being this hard park to hit. Listen, Wrigley Field is a hitter's park. Anthony Rizzo is the only guy you can't talk about getting better because he's literally he was that good with the Cubs. I have nothing against Anthony Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo was the one guy I felt the Cubs should have kept. One hundred percent. Because he was, he, Anthony agreed. Rizzo, I agree except with you. for except for when he had his back stuff, and he, I don't think he was healthy the last season that he was with the Cubs, and he had a down year. But maybe you can say he revived his career with the Yankees. But I think Anthony Rizzo was that good of a hitter all the time. So he's the one guy out of all those guys that we traded that I'm like. It's different. Like he's a different thing because he was that good all the time. I'm not to disrespect Anthony Rizzo. He was the best hitter on this team consistently year in and year out until he had a season where he got hurt quite a bit and he wasn't. So I knew Anthony Rizzo would go and be good with the Yankees because he's a good baseball player. He's a solid hitter. He's always making contact. And he went to New York and had the short porch. Of course, he's going to start hitting more home runs. The thing is, is though Chris Bryant has been injured since the World Series. And he hasn't done the Rockies any good, right? You can't help a guy who's not been in the lineup. You can't help a guy that's lost bat speed because his wrist hurts and all that different stuff, his shoulder injuries and everything that's going on with Chris Bryant. Javi Bias has been worse, like way worse. It's yet to be seen with Wilson Contreras, but I think Wilson Contreras made strides last year. But you see the guys who stayed, the guy like Ian Happ, who had a phenomenal season last year, who developed really well last year in left field made his first all-star won a gold glove like to me it's you're you're not giving david ross any credit for the guys that have developed nico horner has gotten better and this season we have a chance with with guys for a full spring training a full season without a lockout without covid he actually has a chance. Now, I'm not saying David Ross is going to be the manager for the next 20 years. I think y'all are just jumping on him way too soon. He's you got to give him this season to show you growth. And I think you're going to see it. And I don't think I don't blame David Ross for Chris Bryant sucking. And I don't blame David Ross because Javi Baez is not a disciplined batter. That's Javi Baez. And Javi Baez is going to be that way with any manager that he faces because you that's the way he plays the game. You can't say that's not somewhat on the, on the managerial staff, though. I'm not you saying it's not it's on not. I'm not if, saying if, it's not on the staff. Listen, swinging, listen. If a dude is swinging out of the strike zone, I'm sorry, be the manager and bench the guy. Yeah, like, that's right. your job. We had so many options before. That's then. your job. All right. Like, All right. your job is to manage the team. If 100%. you can't control your hitters, if you can't control your pitchers, you need to figure out how to control them. And they did. Not, they traded it for Pete Crow Armstrong. That's what they did. They said, you can't get in the strike zone. We're not going to give you another contract. And they traded him. Is that not what you just said to do? The front office traded him. The Cubs hitting infrastructure up and down over the last... Let's not get reckless in this podcast and say... Okay, that's basically what you were just talking about. David Ross traded all of the players. I didn't say that. I didn't say that. The The front office traded the players. David Ross let that team do whatever they wanted to... And then they finally imploded and got rid of all the players because they all couldn't right. be controlled by the manager. All right, Bro, we're gonna crazy. go around. We're gonna you're go around. I, and we don't want an analysis. I want in one word 
is David Ross. Do you want him as the manager for the entirety of the 2023 season? Jalen? No. Rhett? No. Jordan? Absolutely. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yes as well. I am going to say he has a short leash, though. I, I don't know if we have a disappointing year that doesn't show signs of improvement in a lot of areas. I will say I don't know about 2024. But I, I do want to continue on with the conversation. Uh, we spent a lot of time on David Ross. Um, I think that's a loaded, a loaded subject. We'll probably get into that more as the season goes on. Um, so we're all excited about, you know, it, there's a lot of anticipation. You know, we don't know what this team is going to look like. It's a fully reloaded roster. We've done a lot in the offseason, uh, picking up free agents. Obviously, you've got a, several big names. Uh, we've got a, a really young team. I mean, you know, as far as I don't, I don't know what the, the actual stats are on on how, how young we are. We have a really young team. So I want to hear, you know, excluding pitchers because, you know, that that's a whole other subject. I want to get into our opening day roster. Um, excluding injuries, obviously, um, you know, we don't know what that's going to look like. Um, but I want to hear for your infield, Jordan, who do you want to see starting the 2023 season as far as your infield goes? Um, I think that this is interesting because I think it determined, it's determined by like what you do with a guy like Cody Bellinger. Um, so I think ultimately Cody Bellinger is going to end up in center field. So if that's the case, <clears throat> I would want, Trey Mancini as my starting first baseman. Um, I would also want uh, Nico Horner starting at second. Obviously, Dansby Swanson starting at short. And then I think I'm leaning Chris Morell at third base. Okay, so a big name you left out of there. Uh, I, I think I didn't hear you. It was Eric Hosmer. Um, I didn't I didn't hear that name. I To me, I would put Eric Hosmer at first, but I like the rest of, of that infield. Uh, Jalen, who, who are you, do you have any, any tweaks that you would make to, to Jordan's starting lineup for 2023 opening day? Yeah, I, I'd go Hosmer over at first. I mean, I don't, I don't really know how you can't at least start the season with him. Uh, just because I think, I think Man- Man- Mancini, I mean, we have the DH, so let's put him at the DH. So I, I would go Hosmer I, at first, Nico at second. Uh, obviously we got Swanson, uh, at short. Uh, and then I would love to see Morrell start at, get the start at third. I believe it's going to be Wisdom at third base. To be completely honest with you, um, I think it will I think be you, too. I think you got to start with Wisdom. I, he's had great seasons the past two years. And that's um, real quick. That's why I, I said Mancini over Hosmer because I think if Morrell starts at third, I want Wisdom in my lineup more than I want Eric Hosmer. Interesting. All right, Rhett. As my, do as you my have, Rhett, do you have any other other tweaks that you would make to that that starting lineup for your infield? I think just, just Hosmer first there. I, I think um, it'll be interesting to see where you can move some of these guys to to um, you know what what's going to work best for the season. But yeah, that's probably it. Yeah, and you know I'm I'm looking at their their infielders that they have on the roster as of right now. I mean we've got a lot of of really young guys that you know if there's injuries or anything like that, we could throw in there that aren't necessarily household names or anything like that. Um, but, you know, you got Zach McKinstry is 27. Um, you got Nick Madrigal in there. Uh, you got I'm some out other... on Zach McKinstry, bro. Yeah, there's there's several of those. I, I'm out on Nick Madrigal. Uh, I don't think he's 
his offense is just atrocious. He's only 25. So, I mean, you know, maybe he, he turns a corner. Um, but I think you have guys, as far as defensively, um, that you could put in there that are, are serviceable defensively. I don't think we want him in our starting lineup, though. All right, we're going to go to the outfield now. Now, this one, to me, is the more interesting topic because, in my opinion, especially if you throw Bellinger um, in the outfield, um, we are a very, very crowded outfield, I think. Um, especially as far as the second unit goes, I, I think, you know, there's definitely two that I would put in there, but Jordan, who would your, your starting outfielders be for opening day? Um, I think the three best outfielders on this team are Ian Happ, obviously in left field coming off a cold glove, you know, an all-star appearance last year, hitting the ball really well, playing great defense. Um, I think Cody Bellinger is the best center fielder on this team. And if for nothing else is defense, I think he helps us more in center field than anything else, especially with the new shift rules and not being able to have that guy in short right field. You know, having a guy that can cover ground in center field the way Cody Bellinger is able to do, I think is going to be massive for the Cubs. And then um, obviously Seiya Suzuki in right field. And Seiya is a tremendous defender himself. He won multiple gold gloves in the Japan League. And I obviously know that's not Major League Baseball, but you're not winning gold gloves in any league unless you're you're a top-notch defender. So I think that that three is easily the best offensive lineup we could put out there in the outfield, but also probably the most elite outfield defense in the NL, in the NL maybe. You know, they made as far as offensively, you don't – I mean, you know what you're going to get from Ian Happ. We don't really know what we're getting from Cody Bellinger necessarily. And say with a full season, you know, you don't – he could be really good or he could, you know, take a step back or whatever. But I expect him to be really good. But I would say those three guys would be easily the first three guys I would pencil in every day. Yeah, Jalen, you agree? Yeah, I agree. I think I think you could play with Morrell and Bellinger in center – kind of jump back and forth just to see I throw Bellinger to the DH. Uh, so I think, I think that, that uh, dynamic will be interesting. Uh, I also just want to say before I get done talking, I'm going to miss Jason Hayward out in right field. Absolutely, bro. I know, I know the dude didn't perform well in Chicago. I know that he underperformed. He signed a massive deal. Way too much money. I, I get it. Dude was elite defensively. We we you never had to worry about our right fielder messing up for the past however amount of years he was there. So I will I will miss seeing him out in right field. I think Suzuki's obviously the answer in right field. I think it'll be interesting to see how he holds up for a hundred and sixty two game season, to be honest with you. To be I mean, he was out pretty big chunk last year. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to me to see how he holds up and honestly, like, if he's able to hold up uh, throughout you, the whole entire season. Real quick, do you think um, – I want y'all's opinion on this because I, I really like Seiya Suzuki's game. I think he's I think he's tremendous. I think he's very disciplined at the plate. I think he should swing more, honestly. Um, when he's – his offense had some ups and downs last year. But do you guys think defensively he's as good – as what they were talking about when he came over. Because I thought I never worried about defensively if he was going to make the right play. Did you guys feel comfortable with that? Sometimes I know like when Kyle Schwarber was out in left field at times, it was like, oh, God, is he going to make the right play or not? Uh, but with Say, I never felt that way. What do you guys think about Say's defense? 
Jay, I mean, like in, in comparison anybody, to Jason anybody. Hayward, like oh no, not a, in comparison to Jason. He's Hayward. a little league baseball player. Out I, there. Right. I mean, anybody on. compared to Jason Hayward defensively? I'm saying like you just I think said. It's hard to gauge. Like he. Well, I'm I'm saying I'm saying based on what you said about like missing Jason Hayward, like that's a huge deal. You know, missing Jason Hayward in right field. Obviously, Cody Bellinger is a top-notch center fielder defensively, but like, how big of a loss is it? going from Hayward to a guy like Saya, Like, are you worried about the right field defense or do you feel like he's good enough defensively? I think, I think it'll be interesting to see. I think the big thing that this team is going to struggle with, and, and I think Jordan, you even mentioned this at the beginning, uh, is scoring. I think that's going to be the biggest problem for this team. And that's why I think this team is not going to do well um, because they're not going to be able to score. Now, with that being said, I think even if Seiya's defense is average, if he's hitting the ball like he was projected to hit the ball, I think you bite the bullet and keep the bat in there for the offense. I don't necessarily think defense is going to be our problem. Uh, I think we have star caliber players on the defensive side at every position. It's just going to be how is he performing offensively. I think that's honestly what will keep him in the lineup personally yeah Rhett how do you feel about our outfield you do you agree with that that lineup of Bellinger uh Seiya and Ian Happ yeah definitely um I I think when you're talking Suzuki uh and specifically I I think Jordan I'm not like wasn't like worried you know in particular I think I think Hayward's obviously a massive loss um because just he's just a tremendous player um, so we'll have to see, we'll have to see what, what comes out of it. Um, but I, I think that that lineup right there, um, is probably the best, at least to start with and to see where, where does that go? Where does that take us? And if it doesn't, then you, then you just switch it up, you know, and, and, and you can kind of see where it goes from there. But then, um, in particular, I'll tell you the guy that, who has really impressed me is Ian Happ, um, coming in with the Cubs quite a, quite a while ago, I, I was, always just a little bit hair, like like a little bit skeptical about Ian Happ because he was just a little bit inconsistent when he first came in. But um, Happ has really has really done well in the outfield and is a, and is a great offensive player. So now I like it. I, I think I'm really interested to, to see how they do offensively because if they do good offensively, then it's just going to be, a, you know, uh, gloves on both hands. It'll be a great fit for everybody. But if they don't good – do good off offensively, then you may have to change things up. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, we've got a lot, I'm looking at our, our prospects right now. And obviously, you know, you never know how prospects are going to turn out. We've got our top three prospects are all outfielders. We got Pete Crow Armstrong, Brennan Davis, and Kevin Alcantara. I'm really high on Alcantara. I think he's going to be a really good uh, baseball player, but they're all, you know, 20 to 23 years old. So, you know, I think we're, we're still several years, if not more away from, from seeing them. I think overall, you know, we've got a good, a good lineup. Um, you know, I, it's just tough to tell, you know, baseball is such a long season. You never know how it's going to turn out, especially with injuries and everything like that. Jordan, you got something to say? Yeah. I was just going to say uh, in regards to our top prospects, like those are three, um, our top guys, 
One guy, though, that I think is going to make a difference this year and is going to be called up relatively soon after the season starts. I think we might see a little bit of club control manipulation there. But I think Matt Mervis is going to come up and play a big part on this team. Um, if you don't know who Matt Mervis is, you need to go Google that man and watch some videos. That is a sweet left-handed swing. Um, he plays first base, and um, he's he's torn it up in, in every spot he's been. He's just hit home runs. He was the Cubs minor league player of the year last year. Um, I think he's going to come up, and I think he's going to offer a lot from the left-handed side of the plate. So um, our our top guys are our outfielders. I think Matt Mervis is in the top five of our system, but I think we'll see him, you know, maybe even a month into the season. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think I, I think it's it's really encouraging because I feel like the last few years we we unloaded our our uh our farm team and you know we haven't really had that much coming up so i think having a a farm team come back up and have some some promising young players um is is really good i think that's encouraging are there any other guys um besides obviously jordan you said matt mervis jordan or uh, jalen Rhett. are there any other guys in our our farm system that you guys are looking at that you think are going to be be absolute studs or you looking forward to seeing play a lot? I don't think this year. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I would I, I would agree. You got Brendan Davis. I think Brendan Davis is going to be a fine baseball player. Obviously, PCA. PCA is tremendous, bro. Watching him swing a baseball bat is incredible. And he is apparently a phenomenal outfielder. Um, so, I mean, we got other guys a little bit deeper down that are, you know, outfielders you got a guy like ed howard at short you know but those guys i think are still quite a bit away um those guys are projected to come up you know next year pca i think is projected to come up at the beginning of next season so um, yeah but mervis mervis to me is is the only guy really in the system that i think is going to come up unless there's pitchers that i'm i'm unaware of um but mervis is the guy to me that's going to come up and make the biggest impact yeah right away so- at least who do you guys last last part of the 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 roster that we'll get into today um obviously pitching to me is the biggest question um you know i think we we kind of can see what we're going to get out of the rest of the lineup i think we're going to be a solid team um but not you know super super deep but pitching to me is the biggest question i want to hear who you guys think are you know our, our four main rotation guys are going to be the four starters that, you know, if you're, if you're going into a, a seven game situation, who are your four starters? Jalen, we'll, we'll go ahead and start with you. That's a tough question. I would say, I mean, obviously Stro would be up there. Hendricks would be up there. Uh, I think you'd want Dalian in there, I believe. Um, in that fourth one, I don't know. Like I'm torn. I'm torn between uh, uh, Keegan Thompson. I liked what he did last year, and 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 uh, Azola. I'm. I feel like he just hasn't been the guy that he was supposed to be this year. So I would probably put in Thompson as that fourth starter. Uh, so, and then if if I was if I was gonna substitute out anybody, I'd probably 
maybe Hendricks and put in Advert if he was playing well. So um, you would you would leave Justin Steele out of this? I probably would, yeah. Dude, you're crazy. All right, Rhett, who would your your four starters be for the Cubs starting this season? Um, so yeah, I mean, I have to agree with the uh, uh, the J one. Um, because we're smart, right? With a couple of those, um, I obviously always like Hendricks. Um, I think Jordan makes a good point about Steele. I think I'd put him in there. Um, I'm, it's it's really difficult. I feel like this year, um, and I'm so bad with names. What's the one guy's name? The Azole? Is it Azole? Edward Alzali. Thank you. I'm so bad with names. <laughs> you mean you mean Lay's potato chips? Right. Adbert yeah. Azalez. And and uh, uh, you know, like like Jalen said, I think to, to that point, it, it's kind of difficult to see where he's at and how he's going to do. And then obviously, Mike Thompson with that last one. Yeah. Yeah, Jordan. Jordan, who would you throw in there for your starters? Um, Justin Steele. Justin Steele. Who led the team in strikeouts last year, bro? Congratulations. Justin Steele. We were terrible last year. Justin Steele had a 3.18 ERA in his first full season as a starter. Um, I think he is – like, I would throw Justin Steele back-to-back games before I let Kyle Hendricks on on the bump in the playoff game. You are reckless, bro. Me and Jordan are in agreement there. I am so out on Kyle Hendricks. It's unbelievable. I I am so done with letting him take the ball on the mound. It's unbelievable. It hurts me. It hurts me. Listen, listen, just listen. Garbage in the playoffs. He was garbage. Okay, the thing is, let me say this. Are you kidding me? Granted, we haven't been there in four years, but still. I love Kyle Hendricks, okay? I'm a huge Kyle Hendricks fan. I thought the biggest mistake – Joe made of his entire managerial career was taking out Kyle Hendricks in game seven of the world series. Bro, he, he was clutch those whole playoffs. He was, he was those whole playoffs. But over the last several years, Kyle Hendricks has just got the, the last up, several bro. years. We haven't even been in the playoffs. What do you mean? No, I'm saying during the regular season, I'm not talking about the playoffs. I think he was clutch in the playoffs. Reckless. Reset the playoffs. Reckless. I think I'm tired of watching Kyle Hendricks go out there and give up six runs in the first inning. Reckless. Like that's what I'm tired of. Like that man, gives up home run after home run after home run. And last year he had a 4.8 ERA. Like you can't, you can't just lob the ball over the middle of the plate and expect to, to win games. Um, I think the, the starter, I think our opening day starter is going to be Marcus Stroman. Um, I think our second guy should be Justin Steele. And our third guy would be Jameson Tyone. Um, and a guy that you guys haven't mentioned at all, I think, is Drew Smiley. Um, I think Drew Smiley's going to play a big part in this rotation. And then I think they're going to throw Kyle Hendricks in as the fifth. Um, after listening to uh, the way they've talked about Adbert Alzali and Keegan Thompson, I think those both those guys are going to end up in the bullpen this year. Um, and I think that makes the bullpen significantly better. Um, you also have a guy who had finished the season really strong in Adrian Sampson. You have a guy like Hayden Wisniewski who finished the season really well as well. Um, so I think Kyle Hendricks is in the starting rotation to start the season, but I think he is like the fifth guy. And I would much rather have – I would rather start Keegan Thompson. Um, 
as much as I love Kyle Hendricks. You're going like, to put Azalea in front of Kyle Hendricks. I didn't say Azalea. I said that is you. You can. You're not listening to what I'm saying. You're worried about the Illinois game and how they just lost. I said Marcus Stroman. Marcus, Marcus, spoiler alert, Marcus Stroman, um, Justin Steele, Jameson Tyone, Drew Smiley, and then uh, Drew Keegan Smiley Thompson. is going to be one of the biggest disappointments in 2023. Okay, no, I got to jump in here. Kyle Hendricks. I got to jump in here back on my Kyle Hendricks hate train. 2015, in two games, 5.19 ERA in the postseason. 2016, five games, 1.42. Obviously, he was amazing that year. 2017. I will come through this computer. Absolutely not. 2017. He was awesome. 2017, three games, 3.94. 2018, one game, 6.75. 2020, one game, 4.26. He had one good year in the playoffs. We also played. We also played. I'm not. I'm not like. Not all of it is Kyle Kyle Hendricks. I'm not. I'm, I'm not like completely like Kyle Hendricks is the greatest thing that's ever happened to the Chicago Cubs. I'm not saying that. I think it's reckless to say that Kyle Hendricks is not one of your top four when it comes to handing him the ball. I I, I can't not. I can't re- I, I can't understand that. Like has he has he declined the past two years? Yes. I mean, yeah. And he's, he's only older. getting older. He's gonna keep yeah, declining. He's, he's getting older. He also I think twenty twenty two he was injured. So I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily know if I, I'm not saying completely discount 2022, but like he was injured. He pitched like 80 some innings in 2022. Like that's not good for a start. So like, I think 2022, let's take that with a grain of salt. Uh, I think this year we're going to see classic Kyle Hendricks. I really, truly do. I think I think you would see a better Kyle Hendricks with this defense. I think over the last several years, the Cubs have been very um, mediocre defensively. So I think some of that has hurt all of their pitchers. But basically, after listening to uh, the spring training, like opening conference or whatever press conference, um, basically they made this team to make contact on offense and to allow contact while pitching. All of their pitchers, none of them are big strikeout guys. And um, Nick, Justin Steele led the team in strikeouts, and he's not even a massive strikeout guy. All these guys throw sinkers. You know, if you can get the ball on the ground, you're gonna they're going to play good defense. That's going to lead to lots of outs, which should lead to um, low pitch counts. Um, that's my hope, at least. So we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. I just, until Kyle Hendricks shows me that he can keep the ball in the park, I just... I just can't do it. Go ahead, Rhett. What do you got to say, brother? Hey, I'll just say a couple things. I, I think, I think too, that, like, you got to remember, I think part of our maybe J1, and not just J1, but all of our love for Kyle Hendricks is that he was good in the playoffs when they won the World Series. And they, he was what, great. And this he is what Cubs great. fans do. This is what Cubs fans do. We fall in love with the player. We signed him to a big contract, and he's Let's, not – producing to the level that he should be according okay. to his contract. He was great in 2016. Okay, but to George, let's not Chicago's say good. Fans. Chapman was good in 2016. Kyle Hendricks was great in 2016. Yes. He yes, was. Yes. He had yes. he had one he, was, 
He had one great year. The rest has been good. I oh, just want to make sure oh, we're saying great and not yes, good. Great. It was amazing. Okay. It was great. Okay. He was a great Continue. pitcher. He was a great pitcher. Great, great. Make Kyle Hendricks great again. Um, more than anything, I, I think our love for him is that he was on that team and he, he was great. But more than that, uh, I think to Jordan's two points there, he was injured last year. And I think the the defense in the last few years have been it's going to be tremendously greater. And if he has a good infield, you know, uh, he may not strike out a bunch of guys, but I think with the great defense infield and outfield, I think we're going to see a different Kyle Hendricks, especially coming off maybe an injury. Um, but I'll say this, if, if he doesn't produce this year, maybe we, you know, rethink our thought on Kyle Hendricks, but I, I do just love the guy as a, as a baseball player. Last I thing think- we'll, we'll, we'll finish up this conversation on pitchers infielders can't stop home runs and Kyle Hendricks gives up right. way too many home runs. All right. So we're going to get into the team kind also of our... needs to score runs to back up their pitcher. And they have been doing that the past three years. Yeah. But home runs, I mean, you can't, I, I hear that. I hear that, bro. But at the same time, like a 4.8 ERA, man, like you got it. And that's more than the defense. The thing, the thing about Kyle Hendricks, the thing about Kyle Hendricks is he, it always seems like it's not like he gets through the lineup three times or like that third time through they start hitting him. It's like when Kyle Hendricks is not on, it's bad from the get-go. Like he gets out there and their team is down three or four runs immediately. He starts doing that. Like, well, that's a horrible game plan because you go into the line, you go into the game thinking Kyle I mean, that Hendricks. That was Joe Madden's game plan in game seven. Dude, Joe Madden scripted great. that World Series. What a joke. But – Kyle Hendricks, you you plan, oh, we can pull him after one inning of pitching terrible. You know, you need a guy that's going to eat up innings. If Kyle Hendricks, I'll tell you this, if Kyle Hendricks. Well, apparently, to you guys, we have seven starters, so just throw in a starter when Kyle Hendricks is being bad. No, we just have we just have three guys that can do what Kyle Hendricks does. So if we have seven starters. Right. <laughs> seven guys that, that's not, I'm not saying Kyle Hendricks is a quality starter anymore. That's the difference. So we have six. I'm, I'm so thinking we still we have, have two extras. I, I would rather saying, have, like, we have we have three quality starters in Marcus Stroman, Jamison Tyone, and Justin Steele. After that, it's question marks. I After thought that, Drew Smiley was the savior of the Chicago Cubs. I didn't say that. I said Drew Smiley's going to be their fourth starter because that's what they've said. All right, let's go ahead. We're going to wrap up this conversation. Real quick, real quick hot take. Let's, let's if, get if, off this. If Kyle, Hendricks, if Kyle Hendricks does not play well, this is reckless. This, if he doesn't pitch well, he could end up like Jason Hayward was last year. This is reckless. Not playing. They, he could end up not playing, and they could find a scenario where they announce to everyone that Kyle Hendricks is not going to be back on this team, and they'll give him the whole respect of keeping him on the team. But that could legitimately happen if Kyle Hendricks does not pitch well because they got young guys that they would much yeah, rather go out there and suck than have Kyle Hendricks go out there and throw the ball 80 miles an hour and get hit out the park all day long. All right. Reckless. We'll go ahead and wrap up. Jalen, what's reckless is saying Brock Purdy is better than Justin Fields. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway. Brock anyway. Purdy! <laughs> anyway. Um, last topic we'll talk about today. Uh, we'll wrap it up here. Who is the one player you guys are most excited to to watch this year uh Rhett we'll start with you um Rhett probably Ian Happ um he, he's just been on an upward uh skyrocketing you know uh pursuit and I I just think it's 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 fun to watch him 
succeed and uh, especially you know batting um that again that was one of the guys that really surprised me coming up and has done consistently well so probably Ian Happ all right Jalen Kyle Hendricks no I'm just playing I'm just playing I just want to see what response you excited to watch him off the mound with a disappointed face um this is gonna like uh, this is gonna sound cliche. I'm 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 interested to see, uh, how Dansby does with a big contract. I I think we have signed players to big contracts and they haven't performed in recent history. I mean, outside of John Lester, like I mean, John Lester performed well when he was here. John uh, was the man. Yeah, I mean, we, we there's nothing bad. He could probably him. pitch better than Kyle Hendricks. Yeah, right. <laughs> he he deserved every dime. Lester right now over giving the ball to Kyle Hendricks. <laughs> he he deserved every dime of that contract. Uh, so I, I'm interested to see like how he performs with those expectations, because the reality is baseball is different in Chicago than it is in Atlanta. The the expectation that comes with being a Chicago Cub is just different. Even when the Cubs are bad, the expectation is different than being an Atlanta Brave. So I'm interested to see does he uh, hit the expectation, and then how how does he perform uh, with with those expectations just in general? Yeah, Jordan, who who is the one player you're most excited about? Um, real quick about Danzy Swanson, I think that as Cubs fans, we have to be really careful to. Um, well, my dog just went nuts, y'all. Hang on one second. She's trying somebody to attack said, somebody. Somebody said Kyle Hendricks, and she got crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Someone said Kyle Hendricks was going to pitch opening game, and. She did not like it. Um, so the the thing is about Dansby Swanson, as Cubs fans, we got to make sure that we're careful about how we're judging him as a player because Dansby Swanson doesn't do anything flashy. He's just consistent. You know, he plays great defense. He makes contact. He gets on base. He's going to quietly, um, quietly show you that he's that kind of a player, you know, so it's not going to be flashy. He's probably not going to come out and hit 35 home runs. You know what I'm saying? Like he's going to come out and just play good baseball. So we got to make sure that we're being intelligent baseball fans when we watch Dansby Swanson. Um, The guy that I'm most excited about is Cody Bellinger. And the reason I'm most excited about Cody Bellinger is because he obviously has MVP ceiling and he's obviously been horrendous the last two seasons. Um, but he was a little bit better last year. Um, but I think he was still trying to get fully healthy. And even last year in 144 games, I think it was, I think he hit 210 with 19 home runs and 69 RBIs. Um, so I think you're going to get a better version than that from Cody Bellinger. And I think the reason I'm so excited to see him play with this team is playing at Wrigley, playing a more hitter-friendly park, um, and also the new shift rules, I think you could see a scenario where Cody Bellinger has a massive back, back, bounce-back season. And if that's the case, this team's offensive floor skyrockets. Um, yeah. So I, I'm most interested to see Cody Bellinger because if Cody Bellinger comes out and puts up 30 homers, the whole view of how, these, how everybody looks at the Cubs completely changes because – you got a, a bat like that in the middle of the lineup, and I think that helps everybody, everybody yeah. uh, succeed. So for sure, I think you know there are those those names that we are most excited to see. You know, Cody Bellinger, Dansby Swanson, uh, Ian Happ, definitely for sure. Um, for me, I I'm really interested to see how Christopher Morrell uh, pans out. You know, he played very well last year, 
Um, but we see it all the time where these rookies play really good their first year, but then that, that pressure kind of mounts and they don't have a, a good follow-up season. So I'd love to see if he can, can build on what he did last season and become a, a heavy part of our starting rotation or our starting lineup. Um, I'd like to see him, you know, consistently hit well and, you know, be a good enough fielder. And, you know, I, I want to see him take those strides this year. What do you guys think real quick? What do you think should be the opening day lineup? Or how about this question? Who should be our leadoff man? It's a good question. Mm. Mm. Because I I think it's a no-brainer. I think Nico Horner needs to be your leadoff guy yeah. every day. That, yeah. to, to me, that's the only yeah. answer is Nico Horner. But yeah, it's was, it's gotta be it's gotta be Nico or Ian Happ for me. I think Ian I think Happ, you need Ian Happ in the middle of the lineup. I, I would agree, but I, I think, you know, by the middle of the season, if everyone is hitting well, I think you could see Ian Happ, you know, if, if Nico's not doing well in that leadoff spot, I think you could see Ian Happ um, kind of move to that that leadoff spot just to to kind of, you know, get that guy on base to, to start out the game. I wouldn't mind seeing Nico bat leadoff. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if a guy like Ian Happ ended up hitting second and you put Seiya Suzuki hitting third, and then you had a guy like uh, Cody Bellinger or Trey Mancini, somebody with a little bit of hop hitting fourth, you know, Dansby Swanson yeah. in the fifth spot, you know, um, or even the sixth spot, you know, if you want to put Trey and uh, Cody in five and six. So, yeah, to me, sure. I think there's a lot of ways they can do this. Um, they have a lot of flexibility. This roster is way better than it was last year. And the only offense we lost was, was Wilson Contreras. And we got significantly better with Trey Mancini at first base. Um, we got way better with Cody Bellinger. Like basically you switch out Cody Bellinger for Jason Hayward and you get very similar defense and more power um, yeah. from Cody Bellinger. Even if he hits the exact same batting average as Hayward, you get more power, you get more potential to score runs. So, right. For sure. Well, guys, uh, I think that that does it for our our heavy hitting uh, Cubs discussion today. I'm sure, you know, as the season goes on, we'll definitely be more tuned in. Um, you know, I'm sure we'll have some. Y'all, some y'all heard it here first. Kyle Hendricks getting DFA'd halfway through the season. <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. Anyway, um, thank y'all for joining. Thank y'all for listening to the Gold to Go podcast. Uh, Wilson Contreras is an idiot. I am off the Wilson Contreras train. He is so annoying. Um, thank you guys for listening. What are you talking about, Willie? <laughs> oh, so cringe. Anyway, all right, guys, uh, that does it all for right, cool. today. Sucks. Let's go. All right, we'll see you guys. See you.